20 hours in, in the cell. I get out. MLS had already released a, a whole statement. See, it's a pong. Uh, arrested, felony this, felony that. Not once did anybody from the league call me, to, you know, but here comes behavioral health. Oh, hey, man, you, you got a problem. You got a problem. You got an issue. We got to go get you checked out, man. We got to go. We, we have to do this. Uh, this isn't looking good. And then a year later, I'm found not guilty. Again, still nothing said about profiling. Wow. And in the courtroom, it just happened to be a day where there were a lot of people in the courtroom. I mean, they showed the dash cam. Like, the officers were stumbling on their words, caught in blatant lies, getting red in the face, rocking back and forth, like being uncomfortable. I'm like, wow. That's when it took a whole year for me to realize what, what transpired. <laughs> to another edition of Jimmy Conrad Needs a Doctor. I'm Jimmy Conrad, and like always, I desperately need a doctor. In this case, it just happens to be Dr. Lee Hancock. I was hoping it'd be somebody else, but I guess we'll go with Dr. Lee. Hi, Dr. Lee, how are you? I'm good, I'm sitting in for Dr. Ruth for you today. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, you'll just have all, to do with me. For all those that are unaware of Dr. Ruth, she's more of a sex, <laughs> a sex expert or sexpert. Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe you dabble in those arts? This, uh, um, no, I'm not quite sure this is the show we want to go down in terms of the path, but uh, right. it was, it was right. the only doctor that popped into my name, which is pretty funny. <laughs> uh, it's too bad you weren't in the law world. We could You could fill in for Judge Judy or something like that. Ooh, that'd, be kind of that'd be tremendous. That's a different podcast. All right. Well, mm -hmm. we have a special guest coming on this one. CJ Sapong, Chicago Fire Striker. He's played for the U.S. Men's National Team. And there's some fun facts that we share, including his for first professional game with Sporting Kansas City and my first professional game with Chivas USA, which happened to be the same exact game. He ended up scoring the first goal and that didn't make me happy because I was trying to get it my uh, get my revenge, let's say, against my former club. It didn't end up happening. They ended up winning three to two, but I still scored. Kai Kamara was marking me. Yeah, we, we got can ask him about, we can ask him about it. It should be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, we got to watch that clip the other day when we were talking about it. So I, I remember it now, but yeah, I he's going to be fantastic. Uh, he's done some amazing things. Uh, on the field and is doing some amazing things off the field. And so I think it's going to be a great guest for our listeners. All right, let's get him on right now. So we're going to welcome CJ into the show. And there he is. CJ, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Well, I mean, look at this hair and face. I'm doing well. I can't speak for the not, not, any hair for Lee, but Lee, how are you doing? So we're going to go back to the same old joke. I mean, this is <laughs> that's, how we're that's part roll. of my charm. That is part I, I of my you, charm. I told you, only guys with no hair are allowed to be guests. Monty, okay. you're coming soon. That's true. Oh, that hurts. That's got to hurt Monty <laughs> a little bit. All right. So CJ, as we look at your story, and, and there are so many things that I, I want to ask, but I do really want to get into you being drafted 10th overall by Sporting Kansas City, going on to win the Rookie of the Year in 2011. Then you win the Open Cup in 2012, and then you win MLS Cup in 2013. I mean, at that point, you're probably like, that's it. I'm done. I've accomplished everything I set out to do as a professional. Thank you very much. Uh, national team, just call me whenever you're ready because I'm ready. Yeah, it's interesting you uh, break it down that way because looking back to that time, I do remember, you know, after we won MLS Cup in 2013, uh, as you know, if you're playing MLS Cup, you're playing – kind of uh, deep into the 
uh, the year or the winter. And I think we had, what, six weeks of uh, vacation. And then we were right back and, you know, a new season. It's like, we got to do it again. And, and I remember kind of sitting and, and like kind of wondering uh, if I was going to actually able, going to be able to marinate that moment uh, a little bit more. And of course, you know, as our duty calls, you got to keep on going, got to keep getting, the, uh, keep striving to get the hardware and, and, and the accolades. But um, I, I can safely say for me as a person, that was the moment when I started my own internal journey. And essentially that has led to me being in a place today where um, I'm able to continue to have a passion to be on the field. And I'm also in a, in a position to utilize it as a platform to ensure my self-sufficiency, right, and sustainability off the field. It's interesting. Lee, yeah. I'm going to jump in here yeah. because I know I've told the story a few times, but I felt the same way as you did. After you won MLS Cup in 2013, when I played in the World Cup in 06, even though we didn't get out of our group and we didn't hit those great heights of the 2002 and 2010 team, and I'm not bitter about it at all, by the way, uh, I remember Sunil Gulati, the then U.S. soccer president, afterwards shaking my hand and saying, all right, let's do it again in four more years. And I didn't also have a chance to marinate in the, the, of me kind of reaching this peak and defying the odds to be, be a part of the World Cup team and also playing and holding my own there. And I just was like, I, I don't know if I'm ready to do four more years. I don't know mm. if I'm ready to strap them back on and have to do that process all over again, especially with this new perspective of being a person that went from striving for everything to then now being the person that everybody's chasing to, to get. And that was a really hard time for me. And thankfully, Clint Dempsey broke my jaw and I got to sit for eight weeks and th think about it. But uh, I don't know if thankfully is the right word there, but but I, I can relate to you in that way. And it, I did have my internal drive changed at that point for me. And, and it was a hard thing for me to I was a little bit depressed, which is the weirdest thing to say after achieving such you know individual success. That's exactly what it is, because if you look at. Uh, you know, normal human beings, whatever it is they're doing in their lives, they strive for a greatness. There's something that they're trying to achieve. And you put in so much work and you get there and it isn't what you thought it would be. And like you said, to go into a place where now you're struggling to find motivation to go to practice every day. And you're struggling to uh, understand what all this is about. Right. It, it asks you questions bigger than soccer. Um, yeah. You know, I'm very um, thankful for that opportunity to uh, be able to reflect that in that way. Um, it was tough, like hearing you say what you say. I think that's something that needs to be spoken on um, a lot more these days because uh, a professional athlete's life um, obviously is very dependent on their career. And if you don't have the right skills, um, to assess that, be be aware of that, and then rectify it, you're gonna put yourself in a position where there might be some effects down down the road. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a lot of the stuff that I work with with athletes, and I've been fortunate to be around different kinds of athletes in different sports who have taken those breaks. And those breaks are sometimes the the hardest thing, and then the best thing. And a few minutes ago, which I'd like you to, I'd love your two cents on this. You said that six weeks was really pivotal for you, right? Where you're like, you win, everything's great. Then you come back and it's, and it's February-ish and you're thinking to yourself, or it's probably like a week 
prior and you're thinking, oh my God, I got to do this again. And like what, how, if it was so pivotal, how did you move through that? I'm, I'm, I think that's an interesting yeah. thing that everybody deals with differently. Yeah, um, it's <laughs> an everlasting um, and ever developing process and journey. Um, but the biggest thing I started to recognize was my body, right? Mm. Six weeks after 10 months of strenuous overwork, literally, um, has its, its effect. Mm -hmm. And obviously, being young as well, you know, I wanted to use the time to see friends and family. So I, I got back and um, got back for preseason training. And yeah, it was a very daunting feeling like, a, you know, in the pit of your stomach. Um, and unfortunately, that led to, you know, a couple more injuries, little slight knocks and ailments that I was getting. Uh, but then ultimately to, I, I want to say around midway through the year, um, herniating a disc in my lower back and then bulging a disc in my neck. Jeez. And that led to some darker days, um, you know, but to add some positivity to this story, it did eventually lead to me taking control over what I put into my body, taking control over um, gaining knowledge in, in learning of how I can recover, uh, give myself an edge. And, you know, it's, it's beautiful when I look back at it because it all eventually led to me creating my nonprofit Sacred Seeds through my own activation of growing my own plants, uh, going back to the root, right? And getting these, uh, getting the nutrition that I felt like I needed through my food and not popping handfuls of, of vitamins or, you know, just relying on whatever the doctor or the trainer prescribed me for, you know, my stiff neck. Uh, so, it's, I think, indicative of everybody's journey, right? We find ourselves in dark moments through our, throughout our life. Um, but ultimately, those moments are always an opportunity to grow uh, yeah. as a failure. Yeah. Uh, I was going to jump in really quick and share a story that maybe will be relatable to you, CJ, and hopefully the listeners and, and viewers as well. So I got a call from Bob Bradley. This was about a month or two months before the Gold Cup in 2007. And it was an interesting year that year for the national team because it was a Gold Cup backed up with the Copa America right afterwards. And at that point, Bob and I were on great terms. And we were uh, a longer story for why it, it went a different direction for everybody that's new to that. But I, he said he wanted me to play in both tournaments. Now, I just had my first baby. Or I was just about to have my first baby. It was like two weeks later. And I was excited. Like Bob calls and says, hey, we want you to be a pivotal part of both tournaments. And then the baby's born. Okay. And I love her sweetly. She's the best. And what happens though is that you start to have these, these dad feelings that you never had before. Sure, it's one thing to read all the books leading up to it. And, and obviously talking to your own dad about what it means to be a dad. And all this types of stuff about being a parent. And then the baby's born and you feel this. This connection, obviously, that that is unlike anything else. And I knew that if I went for both tournaments, I'd be gone from home for eight weeks, nine weeks, ten weeks in the first three months of this baby's life. And I was feeling a lot of stress and feeling a lot of pressure. And obviously, okay, we're we're at home trying to get creative with regard to 
well, how can we make this work? Can, can my wife and baby come to the hotels where we're staying? And like trying to go through all these obstacles and hurdles. Ultimately, I pull my hamstring about two weeks before I'm supposed to go into the gold cup. I don't pull hamstrings. I was doing yoga like you. I was taking care of myself. I was watching what I ate, like everything very efficient and tried to maximize everything, all of my talent that I had, if, I, if you think I had any talent. I think my, my talent was commitment, CJ. So, so I wanted to ask you if you feel like, and maybe I want Dr. Lee as well to chime in, that, that, that injuries can be mental as well. Now, I know a herniated disc and, and bulging discs in your neck, that's something different. But, but I thought that hamstring, especially looking back, was completely 100% mental, and it gave me an out. I needed an out. I didn't know what my out was. I was, I was struggling for that out. I didn't want to disappoint not being at home for my baby and my own personal feelings there. But I also know that a professional, excuse me, professional athlete's time is very short, especially with your national team. The window is very small to have success there. I didn't want to miss out on that either. And so I had this conflicting fear and, and stress inside of me. And I think that that came out in a physical way in a hamstring pull, which ultimately solved my problem. And I just went to the Copa America. So, so, and, and I think that impacted my relationship with Bob, but that's a different conversation. And I just wanted to know if you thought that that men- mentality or the psychology of it can come into injuries. Oh, yes, for sure. You know me well enough to know that um, about the energy of things, right? And the fact of the matter is, like you said, the dad feelings came up. Your true nature, your true instincts as a human came up. And then it's now faced with the barriers and mental constructions that we have placed upon ourselves as professional athletes, especially given the fact that our careers are a short amount of time. So we're going to skew right our own views in terms of sacrifices and priorities, all based on that. And I would actually say in your situation, that's one of those um, synchronicities uh, that whether it's uh, your higher self, it's God, you know, whatever it is that people connect faith to gave you a little out because at the end of the day, and I'm sure you say you were reading books and stuff as I was and have been and still am, uh, given that I just had a daughter, uh, the first three months, the first six months, the first 12, 18, it's very pivotal, you know, and as I've studied more in depth, the dynamic of my own mind, uh, I've been able to come across literature uh, and information on a, a child's mind and how, you know, before they can even develop memories, uh, they're in a place, this like in between phase where they're feeling things, but they can't describe them, you know, and they could see later in life where that child that was cr- always crying and mom or dad was, you know, never came when they needed them. Those things lead to maybe you making that errant decision when you're 23, you know, um, going against your true nature. Mm. So um, that's what that's, and that's a, <clears throat> a hole, right? That's a rabbit hole to get lost in because now that's going to start affecting how you put in effort when you're doing your job. You know, but at the end of the day, you're a dad. And one could argue that in that moment, in time in your life that is your your job you know i I love this discussion between you guys because it's so it's so not what people understand about professional athletes you know and i'm fortunate that i get to see you all as human beings 
and people don't get to see that. They see when they turn the TV on and they see you performing and they're thinking, why does this dude need four weeks off, you know, or why, you know, does she need to go home or he need to go home? And I think it's always interesting to listen to those things because I, I do believe that those injuries can, especially a hammy, where it's so hard to see, you know, and you're thinking, is it tight? I think it's tight. <laughs> and, you know, then, of course, it's tight because you've said it's tight 50 times. And <laughs> I, I do believe that's real. And I, I think that, that those, those moments force you to think and allow you the opportunity to think. And like you said, TJ, a few minutes ago, that thing that you went through after 2013 provided you the opportunity to think. And, and, I'm, and you seem like a pretty introspective, mindful guy, which is that's probably your greatest strength and perhaps some of your, you know, things that, are, that hold you back, as they do for any bright individual who also happens to be an athlete. But here's my question to you is, did you work through those things on your own that year? Were you, did you have some people that you bounced some things off of? Jimmy and I have talked about how he's bounced some things off of his wife or teammates or, or sports likes or coaches. Was, was there anybody to help you through those times or did you, do you even remember? Hmm. You know, I would say the, the muddy trek, right. The muddy part of the climb was mm -hmm. just myself, but because I chose for it to be that way, again, mm -hmm. another athlete indoctrination of, yeah. and then you control what you can control. And if you do everything right, then it'll go right for you. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, but I think, going and you know a lot it was a, a a sequence a chain of events that transpired that ultimately led to me having to go to um malibu california for this substance abuse and behavioral health program uh, mm -hmm. through mls and i mean that was a whole nother experience long story short i got stopped on the night of a Freddie Gray demonstration, Freddie Gray was an unfortunate individual that died in the back of a police van. Mm -hmm. uh, they took him for a ride. And um, again, this was, I was, I'm younger, but I'm more mindful, right? Uh, but I'm still, I have my Mercedes with 5% tint, black top, like kind of lowered. And I got profiled, I got profiled. I didn't find out till a year later that I was profiled when the inconsistencies in the report and then the testimony of the uh, officers actually came out. Um, and I had to go through that time being viewed as, you know, either whether it's alcoholic or criminal, I had to go through all these different protocol. Um, but what I realized was there was still an aspect of myself that needed work and going to that programming, realizing that there are resources and multiple uh channels uh for individuals to utilize to become more mindful and to start to heal themselves and ever since then i've had a sports psychologist and i mean that was what four years ago and so now i can count on at least a week to every two weeks to be able to just say what's going on in my head out loud mm -hmm. the thing that really gets us is all these uh connections we make and all these thought just manifestations that are going on in our head not a lot of it is real and when mm -hmm. you say it out loud you realize oh snap like okay yeah God, that sounds dumb. <laughs> <You know. laughs> yeah so so cj yeah. you make you, you said earlier that the athlete indoctrination 
of if you do everything right, everything's going to go right for you. And when I use that lens to see that, that total unfair treatment that you got in Malibu, how does that mentality mesh with that? And how frustrating must it have been? And that's not only as an athlete. That's clearly for racial profiling and the racial injustice that I know that you've been uh, subjected to. And obviously the, the, the systems that are here in this country that are probably holding you back in a lot of different ways from being uh, maybe reaching the potential that you know that you could reach. Uh, there, there's a lot here, I think, in this one question. But, mm. but I kind of want whatever you want to take out of it and ex extrapolate. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's amazing because I, I didn't actually – I won't say I've healed from it. I began the healing process until recently, the recent event, and being able to speak my truth uh, more in my interviews or on social media. Um, but, you know, when I got profiled, nobody even suggested that that could be what was going on, mm. you know? And this kind of like the elephant in the room, right? When I'm going through all these different, I mean, going to court just to get get arraignments, had to go get drug tested by the city like twice a week, and like all these things that are adding um, very a, a lot of inconvenience. And it's like, wow, it really could have simply just been. I mean, hey, it's a Freddie Gray demonstration. You see black people everywhere. Here comes this black kid in his car, thinking he's tight. Like he, they said I. Uh, what was the official report that I hit a traffic? which the cop who said that I hit it wasn't the one who stopped me. So the one who stopped me is the one who wrote the report and wrote all these things. And I'm like, damn, like, what did I do to this person to make them uh, try to paint me in this light? And it, it hurt because I had faith in, you know, my team at the time, Philadelphia Union and MLS, that like I would be talked to to understand what happened. As soon as I got out the holding cell, which they kept me in for 20 hours, simply because I ref I asked to read some papers that they were telling me to sign. Mm. I just happened to synchronistically had gone through a whole podcast series before that about um, how signing, uh, if you got to read what you're signing, because you mm -hmm. give a lot of consent away. Um, and, you know, 20 hours in, in the cell, I get out, MLS had already released it. A whole statement, see it's upon uh, arrested, felony this, felony that. Not once did anybody from the league call me, to, you know, but here comes behavioral health. Oh, hey, man, you, you got a problem. You got a problem. You got an issue. We got to go get you checked out, man. We got to go. We, we have to do this. Uh, this isn't looking good. And then a year later, I'm found not guilty. Again, still nothing said about profiling. Wow. And in the courtroom, it just happened to be a day where there were a lot of people in the courtroom. I mean, they showed the dash cam, like the officers were stumbling on their words, caught in blatant lies, getting red in the face, rocking back and forth, like being uncomfortable. I'm like, wow, that's when it took a whole year for me to realize what, what transpired. Granted, I did learn a lot, but it was a little bit of a mind F because I was learning these things and continuously telling myself that there was something wrong with me. Um, wow. and once I was not guilty, there was no statement released by MLS saying that I was not guilty. Um, no statement released by, by my team. 
Uh, and don't get me wrong, there are a lot of people that supported me through it. Uh, but it's interesting because going back to the athlete indoctrination, those are the moments you realize, like, or you feel like, ain't nobody out here for you. you mm -hmm. know? They mm -hmm. don't care. Yeah. So, I've, I mean, I've got some, some follow-up questions. That's, that's quite a story for me. The, you know, you're doing some amazing things now in, in 2020 and things you started to do in 2019, but of course that's four or five years. It's a, you've allowed it to kind of move through and how you feel about it. How, how did you process that? How did you feel about that? How did you manage that right then? I, I, I'm seething listening to it. I can't even imagine what you and your family and friends must have been moving through. Yeah, you know, ultimately it led to me taking over my own story, controlling my own narrative, um, not reaching for the approval of others as mm -hmm. much. Um, because what came out of that ultimately was uh, an opportunity for me to embrace who I am. And whether it's the philanthropic things that I'm doing or, you know, the self sustainability ventures I'm taking, I've, I have skills, I have resources, I have tools that for me, I feel like moving through the rest of my life, no matter what this chaotic life and reality brings to me, mm -hmm. I will be able to adapt and, um, uh, gaining victories, little victories on a consistent basis and um, patting myself on the back for those things and, um, you know, having moments like this where I can speak my truth are all things that push me more and more towards my true nature, my maximum potential. And I think also it serves as a story and, um, you know, opportunities for other people to resonate and and understand that no matter what the details look like this is a, a journey that we're we're all um kind of on individually right uh, it's fine it's coming into your own power and not allowing uh, outside or external uh ideologies or um prejudices dictate how you move through your life yeah well I mean, for me, it, because I, I'm curious then how, what was the catalyst be, uh, for what pushed you into the work that you're doing now um, and the coalition that you're working with? I think you've got 70 other athletes that you're working with. What was the catalyst and how did you do that and what kinds of things are you doing? Yeah, so I would say, again, if I can somewhat shorten it, <laughs> black man grows up continuously trying to tell himself that even though he's black, he still can do it. Even though life has shown him he can't, even though literally he has statements said from authoritative figures or family saying, Hey, because of this, you got to work twice as hard. Um, evolving into a place of where I learned to embrace it and learn more about my culture and, um, stood more in my power when it came to that and then finding creative ways to um pay it forward if you will because now that i at that moment you know privy with that experience and privy with that knowledge um i 
felt like it was my duty to uh, start to actually implement change, right? Actually have an impact as opposed to have it look good, you know? Mm. Before then I had done many, you know, you do appearances, Jimmy, you know, um, when you're playing for a team, you do appearances, you have amazing moments with little kids and you see that they're inspired. Um, but for me, recognizing one, the opportunity we all have to maximize our health and then two, the empowerment that comes from that, I saw an opportunity to reach into at a grassroots level, right? The seeds, that's where sacred seeds comes from um, and start to implement a healthy and conscious lifestyle. And from there, whether you're successful in sport or you're successful in gaming, you know, you have an opportunity to reach people and uh, emphasize the, the aspects of, of our reality, our life, that are conducive to our growth and conducive to the growth of people around you and not these patterns and constructs that we chase after that when we get them, don't bring that satisfaction or that happiness that we're ultimately looking for. Okay, I'm going to jump in because I'm probably going to be fired up about this whole situation for you for a long time. I just think it's ridiculous uh, how you were treated by the police. That goes without saying, and there's already plenty of examples that, that continue to, to play out uh, before there were cell phones, and there's going to be some afterwards, and hopefully we can continue to, to move towards uh, – something that's a lot more positive than what we're seeing now and to, to treat everybody with equal respect. I just want to know how you stayed so cool throughout the process. Cause I thought I was cool, but I've just seen a next level now and it's named CJ Sapong. That's one second. I want to know how you define success because I think it's going to be a little bit different than maybe the constructs that we, that the win and loss mentality of win, I'm, I'm a success lose. I'm a failure that athletes are indoctrinated with. Yeah. So first part of the question, um, meditation, uh, it's, it's, sounds really vague. Uh, it sounds out in the ether. However, you know, when I try to break down meditation to its root sense, it's just breathing and, um, finding awareness and stillness in a very chaotic and fast moving world. Thoughts are moving 100 miles per hour. You know, before I started meditating, I couldn't even just sit down and not be doing anything. Um, you know, and from those practices, literally just counting to 10 with your breath, that's not an easy thing to do. You know, and as I did it more and was able to get up to an hour and a half, two hours of meditating, you sit there and the first, don't get me wrong, the first 10, 15 minutes is tough. <laughs> you know, you're, you're coming in man it's you really start to question yourself and you're again in a situation like that i'm like bitter i'm like angry you know and through that self-reflection and that stillness i now start to understand wow okay these are manifestations of constructs that have been embedded into my being from earlier than this moment you know why am I going to get upset at, at, at MLS for, for them at the end of the day? I'm still just a player. You know, they could never understand uh, my personal journey and, you know, the, the things that I, you know, struggle with every day. Nor, honestly, do I feel like 
they have to. You know, they run in a whole league. That's cool. However, I think when it comes to the part that I'm still bitter about is the fact that there was no response made by MLS um, after I was found not guilty. But mm. that also gives me an opportunity. We're talking about success and failure. This time I'm in segue because in that moment, oh, I can choose to be bitter. I can now move in a way where I will essentially be perpetuating the same dynamic that has gotten it to this point where because of some past situation, I'm now bringing that into my present moment now. And now everybody I interact with is affected by this. And again, just not conducive to growth. Um, so that's what I believe um, success is, is one, making sure you're moving in a way that the actions, your, your thoughts, your life you, are, are conducive to your growth. But having finding the algorithm, finding efficiency in how you respond to things. Because again, success can be hardware, material thing. Success can be finally realizing what that recurring dream you've been having all your life means. You know, like those are, I, I get moments when I, I have a dream and I wake up and like, I feel rested and I'm like, I understand how I want to move through my day and my week. And that feeling is like scoring a goal in a packed stadium, you know? And um, for me, that's a success is being able to respond to your environment that in a way that is continuously conducive to your growth. I'm not even sure what to say. Uh, I mean, that is so great. And that's using your, the things you, I just think back to our small discussion about 2013 and that time where you had success and you were probably thinking, is this success, you know? And then you get to go through and you experience your year and years and you have drawn on that as you've created your, your narrative, right? And I think the shaping of that narrative is now shaping other people's narratives um, in a positive way. And I think that discipline that you've shown, you know, in terms of, just that breathing stuff because it is so difficult and two hours. <laughs> yeah. I've never done that. Um, <laughs> is amazing. And I just think that that's such a great message to, to anybody out there as they're moving through these things, it's not easy. And that's the thing I feel like you have positively moved through this experience in our conversation, but I bet there were some very dark moments where you had some really tough times. And I think that's just a great, thing for people to understand is that's a normal process of feeling and to move through that you can get through this and see look this is where i am and i'm going to go make a positive impact on the things that i'm doing so i just think i don't really have a question in there uh, i just think it's great stuff and i think it's just such a great thing for for kids coming into the game to understand that success is just so much more than your next contract your next championship and yeah those are going to be driving forces but you can do both they're not mutual exclusive events so yeah great i don't know what you want to do with this either one of you CJ. no i my, my when i'm thinking through and listening to cj who's who's clearly you know just thought through so many different parts of your life the, I, the way that you think through it is very 360. you know sometimes it's easy to have that tunnel vision and we've been on podcasts before where you know, I can say, and even when I help coach, when I talk to the guys that say they want to be pros, there, there still has to be the singular focus for you to be able to achieve some of these heights and how you find that balance between having that 360 view, 
but also still knowing that this is you have to have that narrow view to, to have that success or maybe you don't i mean maybe you've you've evolved in a way that you think that you don't have to have that and i guess that's that's a bigger conversation too but what i wanted to know was where is cj sapong in five years or, or 10 years where where are you headed where is this taking you yeah so kind of going off of what you're saying there i i believe <laughs> before me right before my own story that you can't have that 360 view when you're 16 years old going to academy practices wanting to become a pro oh. um now going through it and understanding who i was in those moments and the things that were bare the things that were barriers for me i now am building towards developing um so one i'm finishing my life coaching consulting certification certification um i got 20 hours i gotta get that in before i'm with my baby girl but um ultimately i want to use that to develop a lifestyle and life skills management platform for athletes i actually will start with pro athletes um one to ensure my self-sufficiency right uh, in these next five years but um, also to have a platform that I could then utilize to uh, implement within the youth. And for instance, like the 360 view, the way that can help you as a soccer player is understanding what you're putting into your body, um, understanding how to deal with the many aspects that are, you know, a competitive athlete's life, uh, a strict coach, you know, um, sore, sore nights, you still got to do homework and, you know, learning how to balance all those things so that you can, when you're on the field, maximize your, your potential. And then when you're off the field, maximize the potential. So that's my, my five to forever plan. Because that's something that because I've lived, I feel like I know deeply and I have a yearning and desire to continue to learn about it. And I've already had moments where I've um, seen growth in people that I interact with, you know, with those kind of concepts in mind. I love it. So yeah. you got two things going on off the field, Sacred Seeds, as you mentioned, and you're on the executive board for the Black Players Coalition and MLS. What can Lee and I do and what can the viewers and listeners do to help support you in these causes? Yeah, you know, uh, that's, thank you for that opportunity. Um, I have just been thinking about this because I've realized, you know, I have Sacred Seeds, the BPC, you know, in both of these ventures, I'm recognizing the importance of funding. Um, and, you know, don't get me wrong, that's always the best way to help. Uh, but I think a, a way that goes unnoticed and leads to the out, a, a springing of roots, if you will is simply activating your network you know i i i believe that now as move, i'm moving through my career and my life i'll continue to feel more and more comfortable speaking my truth and my truth is intertwined with my my passion for self-sustainability self-sufficiency and maximization of my own potential so i would just say anybody that's listening you know if there's a topic that you resonate with if there's somebody you know who knows somebody that does something like that, hit me up. You know, <laughs> um, I'll get in the DMs or whatever it is. 
know, whatever we can do to kind of activate ourselves individually so that collectively moving forward, we're in a place where we're maximizing our potential. It's hard to see now. Well, it's not hard to see now, but we still are grabbing on to the things that we see as normal and thought were normal before this whole pandemic. And virus, whether you believe it's actually serious or you don't, fact of the matter is it's exposed a lot of aspects of our society yeah. and how things are structured. So for us to have seen that and then go back to normal um, is a, a bit of an injustice to yourself and your community. So for me, I'm, again, using that darkness as an opportunity to uh, continue to shed light on the areas of uh, our reality that we need to focus on. Activating the network is key. Talking about things and, and not just sitting on information, but sharing the information and, and talking to people and getting them to, to consider involvement is important. So no, thanks. Yeah, and thank you for your time, CJ. Uh, I'm a big fan. I've always been a big fan. We didn't even talk about you playing for the Chicago Fire. You know, you just scored your first goal this season. So continued success with them. We can. We have to have a part two with CJ Sabong. Congratulations on the new baby, of course. Uh, I love you, dude. And I just want you to keep being you. So thank you for coming on. Love you too, bro. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one.